so good. Wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have. <laughs> Wouldn't have nothing. That that's a great song too. Uh, okay, well, welcome to Cranky Commentaries. Uh, this time we are doing Monsters Incorporated, also known as Monsters Inc. Did you ever see it written down as Monsters Incorporated? Um, on the DVD case here it says Monsters Inc. So, uh, I I. I just all all the animators were calling it Monsters Incorporated <laughs> interviews, so I don't know. I see. I think I see. maybe that's what they internally called it. Right. But um, yeah. So it's Monsters Inc. Apparently not Monsters Incorporated, according to the infallible DVD. Um, <laughs> you gotta trust the DVD case. You gotta. You can't trust. I mean, if you the can't DVD trust the DVD case, case what, what can, can you, you trust? trust? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this is a movie from. The year 2000 or 2000? 2001. It's 2001. Right. Do you want to, do you think you can give like a rundown of the plot? Um, like, yeah, I think I can do that. It's actually whenever, like, whenever we ask our guests to do that, I always like freeze up because in my head I'm like trying to do it and I'm like not able to do it. Like, you should be like, are we making the guests like, just... <laughs> yeah, are we, what are we putting them through, man? <laughs> every time, every time it's just been the two of us, I've been sure to make you do it. Right. Okay. So I'll make sure that. you do it next time. Yeah, but now you're you're locked in this time. So okay. So Monsters Inc. is about two monsters that live in a monster world, and they work at a basically monster power plant that generates power for Monstropolis, which is the monster city. And its uh, power in Monstropolis is uh, generated from the screams of children. So, uh, naturally, you know, they, uh, they accidentally let a child loose in Monstropolis and children are poison. Yes. I mean, they are, uh, but they're assumed to be poison. I mean, they have, they caused real problems when they came in. (laughs) I'll get to that, but you know, um, so anyway, so then they bring in a child, uh, into Monstropolis and, uh, they basically have to, uh, get child back and there's a conspiracy about like extracting screams with a like sucking device yes and who leads the said conspiracy uh randall who is the lizard man played by steve buscemi (laughs) Um, i believe it's buscemi is it buscemi okay i got that wrong i'm sorry i'm sorry i believe it's i believe it's (laughs) buscemi uh and so it's also uh led by the the uh jp waternoose who is the owner of the the plant uh who was played by uh the legendary james coburn indeed so yeah that's uh uh oh i guess yeah they they solve the thing and then they get the, the child back yeah <laughs> after going through a series of things and the entire place actually the entire movie actually takes place in a period of like 24 hours which is uh a little strange now that i think about it because like i feel like when i watched this when i was much younger it it didn't feel like that at all well yeah it doesn't it doesn't it feels longer yeah i was thinking about it i mean the whole movie is only an hour and a half well yeah but i was thinking like wouldn't boo have been like wouldn't her parents have considered her missing because she was like gone for a whole day i guess but she wasn't really gone for that long but she was gone for like a whole sunrise to sunset, and like yeah, based on based I mean, on they their like, would. based on their map, they're they seem to be in time with the eastern seaboard. Like I mean, not nece- not not like, not um, 
necessarily, but they start their work day. So I guess not. Oh, because it's probably night. Yeah, because it's they the opposite. Sorry, yeah, that's totally. Yeah. What am I talking about? Yeah, yeah, it would be the. But their whatever their morning is in time with Eastern Seaboard night. So, point okay. being, Boo would have missed a whole day in the human universe. Right, but we never see their parents, so we don't actually know if. It's true. Were. Maybe there was like a whole. Anyway, we're getting like way ahead of ourselves. Before we get into the the real meat of everything that we're going to talk about, because we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, as we mentioned, it's going to get dry. <laughs> Um, we're going to deconstruct it yeah. live in front of us. Well, not live, but... Well, recorded. Recorded. In your ears. In, in your ears right now. I'm in your ears. Monsters, Inc. was released... Uh, uh, what did you say? It was, yeah, November 2nd, 2001. 2001, yep. Um, it's the fourth major film relief, released by uh, Pixar Animation Studios, and we're going to get into a lot of detail about Pixar, so don't worry. Um, do you remember their first three movies? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, Toy Story, obviously. Uh, A Bug's Life. Fantastic film based on, uh, uh, well, not... I haven't seen it in a long excellent time. Excellent film. I love that one. Um, yeah. uh, it's loosely... I think it was a bit of a ripoff of Ants, though. <laughs> no. No, we're going to get to that. Hold on. I have a little bit about that. I'm, 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 I will fight. I, 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 I kid. I will fight I you. Kid. We will get... Um... Just joking. I'm going to bring that up later anyway. Um... And then, yeah. So, obviously, Toy Story 2 was the third one. Um, just to bring it really quickly back to A Bug's Life, it was... Um... It yeah. was based on, well, uh, loosely based on The Magnificent Seven. Right. Which is also loosely based on another film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Seven Samurai, right? Yeah, Seven Samurai. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, Monsters, Inc., fourth major film, uh, directed by Pete Docter, who was a veteran animator and story artist who had been uh, with Pixar since the Toy Story days, since before the Toy Story days. Um as you know, the the music uh, by the uh, legendary Randy Newman. Randy fucking Newman. And he was also responsible for the 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 prior all the prior Pixar films. Yeah, this whole this whole Pixar team is like it's like it's almost even more entwined than the John Carpenter, Deborah Hill, Dean Cundey cult. Um, well, yeah, because I mean, I mean, one of the interesting thing is like you know pixar is like rarely do you have like a company that sort of sticks together and keeps making movies because like i mean the way hollywood works yeah. is essentially you create a corporation to create a movie and then essentially create a new one when you want to create another one <laughs> i mean there's many reasons for that you know not the not the least of which is you know financial bullshit but um yeah <laughs> Yeah, so, but yeah, so Pixar kind of stayed together as like one unit, and which is kind of rare in Hollywood, but there's reasons for that, which we will get into. Yeah, they're a very rare production company for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, before we do that, we like to play, uh, we like to play Guess the Box Office Gross. Um, so do you, do you have a guess for the worldwide no, box geez. office? I didn't, I, <laughs> do I have a guess? I feel like it was big, because I feel like... I feel like if I can remember 2001, which I can barely do, <laughs> um, you know, that's, uh, I don't know. Let me think. I don't know, like 300 million? 300 million. Fine guess. Fine guess. The real answer is it made just okay. under a quarter 
just under a quarter million shy of 529 million okay so i'm yeah that's yeah that's quite a bit more but still within the yeah it's within an order of magnitude Uh, but to put that into into perspective for the for pixar toy story made um you guessed toy story basically toy story made 373.6 bugs life was similar at 363.3 and then Toy Story was it was closer. Obviously, they're getting they're getting bigger. Four hundred and seventy nine point four million. And also, just this kind of this touches on this touches on what we were talking about with ants. We'll get into that here. This movie also had a, a hilarious relationship with uh, the DreamWorks masterpiece Shrek. Um, uh, I love Shrek. I don't know how you feel about Shrek. I mean, I I, I same here. Obviously, um, Shrek came out just a bit earlier. Pull up my Shrek DVD. No, I don't have it on me right now. I just have, I have the, a VHS uh, somewhere. I have a Shrek DVD somewhere, definitely. Or a VHS. I don't know which one. Um, Shrek came out just a little bit earlier. And um, it, in what was definitely an intentional move, uh, DreamWorks scheduled the home video release of Shrek on the same day that Monsters, Inc. was supposed to release in theaters. No, oh, that's ruthless. Yeah. And in fact, Shrek even made more on its home video opening weekend than Monsters, Inc. made in theaters. That's brutal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that doesn't surprise me though cuz like obviously Shrek was Yeah. Huge. Well, but the 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 um Pixar Disney feud with with uh, DreamWorks runs really fucking deep. I don't know if you know too oh, yeah. much about that. Yeah, I I know a little bit about it, but yeah, it's, it's... It involves uh Jeffrey Katzenberg, if you'll remember mm-hmm. the former assistant I... to Don Simpson. Yeah, well, I mean, he's also famous for some other things, but yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think that's all he's known for. <laughs> He, he was a Disney executive who, who, who became disgruntled with Disney and then uh, uh, went to start, started his own company in DreamWorks. Um, and allegedly he stole the idea for Bugs Life when he went. And, and that's what Ants was. Wait, so Disney had the idea for Bugs Life before, like probably way before the uh, thing started or what? Before they decide to make it a no no well because because as we'll as we'll get into a little bit more detail disney and pixar have a really tight-knit relationship from the beginning even before yeah, they were yeah, like definitely. you know like disney basically like uh um they promoted and distributed like all the pixar films yeah well i mean pixar basically made films because of disney yeah which i'll, I'll get into in a bit but yeah yeah um anyway fucking ants starring the somehow still working literal daughter fucker known as woody allen um but that's a, that's a whole story for another time is he still working woody allen he didn't he have a didn't he have a movie that was like in cons like three years ago or four years ago i don't know i have no clue but uh, with like jesse eisenberg in it oh my no idea that may have been like 10 years ago i don't actually i don't know it was it was it was recent enough anyway uh, let's get right into it. Yeah, not that something else. No, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> we're uh, we don't need to get into that on this podcast. No, no. Chalubi, baby. Good morning, Roz, my succulent little garden snail. And who would we be scaring today? Wazowski, you didn't file your paperwork last night. Oh, that darn paperwork. Wouldn't it be easier if it all just blew away? Don't let it happen again. Yes, well, I'll, uh, I'll try to be less careless. I'm watching you, Wazowski. Always watching. Whew, she's nuts. 
so let's let's kind of get some background info and get an idea of what Pixar kind of is and where it came from. So let's talk a bit about talk a bit about how the company came to be the Pixar we know and love today. Seeing as this isn't really a cast about like the history of Pixar, um, we're not going to do like an amazingly deep dive into it. Yeah, no, we're just gonna we're we're gonna give you uh, the 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 big important things. But if you are if you are interested in the history of Pixar. Um, I, I highly recommend that you read a book called A Pixar Touch by David Price. It covers all the early stuff in extreme play-by-play detail. Um, and the chapter that covers the Monsters, Inc. portion of their history was pretty much my main source for like everything that I cover today. That being said, though, I think... You, you, I don't know if you actually use that book at all for your... Uh, no, actually. Uh, I actually just... I knew a lot of this... Uh before going into this podcast uh, for interests that I have outside of movies, <laughs> uh, I guess. Um, because, yeah, so I guess I'll just get right into it. So, like, yeah, uh, the, the interesting thing about Pixar is that, like, you know, they weren't really started as a movie company. In fact, uh, when they were started, I don't think they had any idea that they would ever make a movie. No, no, not none whatsoever. Uh, like, Basically, Pixar begins with a guy named Ed Catmull. Ed, Edwin Catmull. Catmull. Catmull, yeah. Um, and he was a researcher at the New York Institute of Technology. And um, he was working in the computer graphics lab. Uh, and so basically, George Lucas, uh, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, you know, had a bunch of money from uh, this thing he made you know you might have heard it called star wars in the early 80s i don't know i i don't know i don't know but for some reason he had a lot of money in the early <laughs> 80s right and so he was like these computer things they're pretty interesting uh maybe i should see if i can you know do something with them <laughs> so he goes to the the computer graphics lab at uh in new york and he asks uh he basically hires a bunch of people out of that lab to form uh the lucasfilm graphics yes. division which is part of the Lucasfilm computer division, which were just a bunch of people that basically hung out on the ranch and, you know, did stuff. Uh, And, you know, uh, they kind of were just there because Georgie was kind of interested. And they also made some games, uh, ended up getting um, sort of sold off and split up because at a certain point, Georgie was, you know, uh, losing a lot of money because he was just involved in a messy divorce and he needed some cash. So he decided to sell off the uh, the computer division and split it into... He kept Lucasfilm Games, which went on to make some great things such as The Secret of Monkey Island. Yeah. Uh, but he, set, he sold off the graphics division to another figure who's going to step into this story. So... Uh, you may have heard of a guy named Steve Jobs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Stevie. Stevie. So Stevie's sort of in his wilderness period right now. He's been fired <laughs> what, from Apple. What def, What do you mean by his wilderness period? Like, this is like... His wilderness period. He's, he's wandering through the desert. <laughs> and he's been fired by Apple, and his, his, uh, his next, his next uh, computer company is not doing so well. Or it's doing all right, yeah. but not particularly amazing. And so he wants to uh, invest in some more computer stuff, and he wants to make computers. So he goes ahead and buys this uh, 
the Lucasfilm Computer Division, sorry, Lucasfilm Graphics Group, and turns it into Pixar, uh, which is an independent company. So the name Pixar comes from from Stevie. I don't know if he came up with the name, but basically when he bought it, it turned into Pixar. Uh, but anyway, so yeah. So I don't know if Steve Jobs came up with the name, but that's what they called it after uh, after he bought it. Okay. So Stevie really desperately wanted to sell computers because that's what he was good at doing, I guess. So uh, they basically decided that they were going to market this thing called the Pixar Image Computer, which was like this super powerful computer that was like designed for doing just kind of graphics. I saw a picture of it. It looks pretty sleek. Yeah, it's it's basically a big cube. And so they, uh, it was pretty cool. I believe, uh, I believe director of Toy Story, John Lasseter, uh, designed the, the, um, uh, the, the chassis for the Pixar computer. You know how it has that like dimple in it? Yeah. That was his idea. That's a John Lasseter original. Interesting. So, but in the meantime, while they were, you know, trying to sell this computer, they were coming up with this interesting software uh that was used for basically rendering computer graphics and what what but what practical application like why were they doing that at that point well i mean primarily it was because industrial light and magic was was another part of lucasfilm at that uh-huh. point was really interested in starting to use computer effects for films okay and so they had actually used this software or an early version of the software uh in a movie you might have heard of called star trek 2 the wrath of khan um, so there's this sequence in the movie where they're demonstrating the Genesis device, which is this sort of, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's this sort of, um, uh, m- device that turns like a dead planet into like, it terraforms a planet essentially. Yeah. Right. And, uh, so they had this whole sequence where the planet gets hit and there's this big fireball and then like, uh, there's mountains that grow up and like water that flows around it. It was pretty impressive for 1982. The whole scene's about a minute long, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what they were kind of doing with this software. And this software later becomes something called RenderMan. Okay. And so, basically, at this point, they discontinued the computer because it really wasn't selling too well. And they decided to focus on RenderMan. Vaguely, what year did they discontinue the computer? Um, I don't know. This is probably like the late 80s, early 90s. Right. And so... Th- they they have this RenderMan software, and then they start using these computers called SGI computers, which I wouldn't mention other than the fact that I think this is where Steve Jobs got the idea for the colorful Macintoshes. Are you saying that wasn't an original idea? Yeah, I think that I don't think that was an original idea um, because <laughs> I yeah I looked up a picture. I, I might I might agree with you. Yeah, so the SGI computers were like these super colorful, super powerful computer graphics computers. Um, and uh, they were all odd shapes, and they remind me a lot of what later became the uh, the, the colorful Macintoshes. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. So, anyway, so in order to sort of demonstrate their technical prowess with RenderMan, which is this amazing software... Um, used to create photorealistic in quotes images uh Uh, yeah yeah they they decide to make a series of short films photorealistic images yeah that's a pretty tall claim 
Well, I mean, in the field of computer graphics, photorealistic in the 80s does not mean, I guess, what it means now. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, it, it was intended to mimic a photo and not a drawing, right? So, yeah, they were creating these short films to sort of demonstrate what this software could do. Do you, do you remember any of the films they did? What was the one with the lamp? Uh, I can't remember what that one was called, but anyway. So the, I believe the chess one was an early one, too. The chess one, too, yeah. Uh, that The one with the lamp was directed by John Lasseter, I think. And so th- this was very impressive. And they were working with Disney at this point to try to create, like, a animation system for them. For Disney. For Disney, because Disney, obviously, was highly involved in animation of all kinds. Yeah, they were aware of all of that shit. Yeah. And so I think they they were actually creating something to like help with digital compositing of traditional animation. Okay. So instead of having to like uh, do all the cells on like transparent paper and like project them and shit, I don't actually know how tr- traditional animation works, but it's pretty complicated. Yeah, there was a bunch of layering and there's like l- a lot of machinery involved. Yeah. So they they wanted to sort of com- computerize that, digitize yeah. that, and so they. Uh, they were working with uh, Pixar to come up with something to do that. And um, eventually, you know, Pixar started making these short films. And then they were just like, okay, Pixar, why don't you just make us a film? <laughs> like, and so then uh, they bring on, it, this becomes Toy Story. Uh, yeah. And they bring on John Lasseter to direct it. John Lasseter formerly actually worked for Disney. <laughs> do you do, what did he do at Disney? I don't actually know. Uh, was it Brave Little Toaster? Oh, oh really? <laughs> oh, that movie's so weird. Yeah, it's bizarre. Let me just double check that. I think it was Brave Little Toaster. Brave Little Toaster. Is that really a John Lasseter? You got to find out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have it open here. I was just uh, double checking. He was involved in it somehow. Tangentially involved? Um. Oh, he was one of the animators. Okay, so he was involved. John Lasseter may have drawn the toaster. Maybe. He, uh, he he was involved in Disney. He was involved in that project. He eventually got fired, and then he went to Pixar. And then Pixar eventually got bought by Disney sometime in the future, and I think John Lasseter got fired again. He got fired again? I don't know if he got fired, but he's not working there anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm pretty sure uh, people know what happened after that, like, they made Toy Story, and then they made some other movies. <laughs> I mean, that basically brings us up to, like, the Monsters, Inc. timeline. Um, yeah, because, you know, pretty much. Because, what, Toy Story, Toy Story came out in 1995. I imagine they were working on that. I think they were working on that for about five years. They were working on that for a long time, yeah. I, um, I think it took five years to make Monsters, Inc. Yeah. So, yeah. Production for Monsters, Inc. began in 1996. Yeah, so five years. Uh, so. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Pete Docter, um, he was uh, an animator, storyboard artist, right? I think I mentioned that earlier. Mm. Um, he was leading the project from the beginning. Um, and he, I think, you know, for a long time, these things, because it's like an animated children's movie, they, they, the concept is so important that, like, that's why it takes five years to, yeah, exactly. to, like, to know what kind of movie you're going to make. Yeah, I looked into some of the early like ideas for uh, the uh, the movie, and they're like very 
completely different from like like i think yeah. the only thing they knew at the beginning was like we want to make a movie with monsters in it monsters are in it yeah initially initially the uh the concept was about <laughs> was about a man in his 30s um reckoning with like invisible monsters that only he could see right so that's that's where it started which is actually kind of that's somewhat more disturbing yeah, it well, it's kind of disturbing, it, especially to think of like that. That's the human character, so that would eventually become Boo. Yeah, weird. <laughs> but, but the the way that movie was talked about, like essentially, like he would have to, um, like these monsters would be representative of like various traumas or whatever, right. and he'd have to like in order to make them disappear, he'd have to like uh, address certain things. So there are definitely similarities between that and like something like a uh, Inside Out. Right. Like there's there's definitely you can see a so but see a thread instead in, in classic Pixar style they decided to make it about an unlikely friendship between two different characters. <laughs> yes. Well, by by February of 1997, um, uh, the barest of bones version of the concept was there. Um, though it was not really at all what, as we know it now, but the lead character, um, was not named, uh, James P. Sullivan. It, he was named Johnson. Okay. I don't know what his first name was, but his name was Johnson. They called him Johnson. Um, the Mike character didn't even exist yet. Oh. In 1997, Boo was named Mary. Okay. Uh, and, and she wasn't, and Mary could talk. Right. Um, I mean, Boo says Mike Wazowski. <laughs> Mike Wazowski. <laughs> yeah, she definitely un- like she understands a lot, but she's not very verbal. Um, so in February, like of 1997, they uh they pitched the idea to Disney as like a buddy comedy between Johnson right. and Mary, uh, with no Mike. Um, and then Disney was like, you know, there's this you got kind of right. something, but but you got to keep working on it obviously um so they met again in like early may but that meeting was apparently when the uh, the name monsters inc yeah was pitched and the name was pitched by a guy named a disney executive named joe grant i just thought that was kind of interesting because joe grant's a guy um who's been working at disney for so long he was responsible for the character design of maleficent Ma- maleficent in snow white what really like when was that movie made <laughs> 1937 jesus christ he was an animator for disney in 1937 he designed that character yeah and he he came up with the title for the film is he retired now he's probably dead by now to be honest i i didn't look into it but i mean maybe he's not i don't want to like maybe he's he's joe grant if you're you're listening i hope you're still alive (laughs) yeah me too well i mean if you're listening you're still alive so yeah (laughs) well i hope if you're listening you're still alive otherwise we got a zombie situation um that would be yeah pretty scary there's also apparently a draft where boo was seven years old um and she had like she could talk and she was like super feisty and it was explained by the fact that she had to contend with four older brothers right um and in the same draft sully who i believe was still johnson um was like a nervous wreck right. and he was like not at all confident and he was like super worried about being downsized oh, yeah. uh, as a scarer um and that he would never be as good as the actual top scarer who was a guy named ned right who i guess later became randall probably i assume so um 
yeah, there's just so there's just so many like as we said, there's just so many treatments. Like Sully, uh, yeah. at one point he was a janitor. Um, at one point he worked in the Scream refinery. One time he in one in uh, treatment he was um a former refinery worker who had been gone had gone blind in an accident. Right. Um, who was a former scarer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they wanted to keep it non-traumatizing. I think. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, that's. Pretty I mean, fucked. that's. I feel like that's not a high bar. But then again, like, there's a lot of children's movies that are pretty traumatizing. Brave Little Toaster. Yeah, specifically. <laughs> you have some trauma you wanna you wanna unpack about Brave Little Toaster. Uh, what was I talking about? Yeah. Sorry, your trauma with the Brave Little Toaster really got me thinking. Um, oh yeah, I was talking about. Uh, so the inception of of uh, of Mike Wazowski. Um, conception, I don't know, uh, can be traced back to um, like an actual date, at least they claim. It can be traced back to it, like April 6th. They, like sketch him on a napkin? Yeah, well, there was a, a meeting in, in in Burbank, California, between like, you know, Disney and Pixar people, like this big summit that they would have where like they would all just gather for like a few days and really try mm. and hash shit out. Um, and they decided they needed to give the main character like a friend uh, who they could like, who he could discuss his problems with. Genius. Um, so yeah, genius. <laughs> so there you go. There you have Mike Wazowski in 1998. Um, so that's what two years after the planning began. Right. It's amazing. So what they started in 1996. Yeah. They got to 1998, and they're still coming up with the story. Yeah. They haven't even written a script. Like, there's no draft. Is there a draft? Like, I mean, there might, there's probably, like, in these treatments, air quotes, like, right. those are probably, like, vague drafts. But until, like, Disney gives them the oh, go-ahead on, like, a full storyline, they're not going to write, like, a... a, a like yeah, obviously, actual... why would you? Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, y- y- you should really take a look uh, through some of the early concept art, if you haven't. Yeah, I've seen a little bit of it, but, yeah, it's... It's, uh, it's, it's, it's really fascinating. Yeah, interesting things and seeing like how they got to where they eventually ended up yeah like scully uh sully sully, Not scully. sully. <laughs> sorry I'm, uh, we're, we're doing the x-files podcast later uh, i think we're... yeah that's it, yeah <laughs> <laughs> sully gained and lost tentacles uh his number of eyes fluctuated right um and as you pointed out to me, which I think is amazing, Mike originally had no arms. Yeah, no, it was weird. And that would be so fucking funny, Mike with no arms, like just fucking. Yeah, and so they actually did animation tests of this, which were fucking <laughs> hilarious. And they're on they're they're on the special features of the DVD. You can probably find them on YouTube too. Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Yeah, uh, it's it's hilarious. You should look it up. Um, what would you search? Uh, I don't know. Monsters Inc. Monsters Inc. Animation, animation test. test. Or like that. But yeah, there's some good stuff. You can see uh, you can see silly with tentacles as well. He has tentacles at that point. Yeah, so there's animation tests of that too, and he's kind of it's. I don't know how to explain how he's he's locomoting like he's moving across the floor somehow with these tentacles. No animal with tentacles is on land. <laughs> there's a reason for that yeah yeah well apparently like they he was originally supposed to have tentacles and then they scrapped that because it was just they were like that's just gonna be too fucking distracting to watch a main character with tentacles yeah and i, ca- I can only imagine that animating that would be a fucking pain in the ass <laughs> yeah yeah that would be not 
not fun. Not at all. Um, I, I, I still can't get over Mike with no arms, yeah. to be honest. Like, I just... <laughs> yeah, so funny. his weird sort of hand feet. <laughs> so good. You have to watch it if you haven't seen it. Yeah, it's great. Check it out. Uh, at one point... At one point, Boo was supposed to be Irish. Like like speaking with an Irish accent? Yeah, verbal and, yeah, have an Irish accent and refer to Mike as a leprechaun. Jeez. Um, yeah, I don't think we can understate the amount of, like, pre-production planning. Like, we, we keep coming back to this, but, like, the amount of effort they put into building the right narrative and the right setting with the right characters, it's, it's astounding, really. Yeah. Like, how much work goes into it. Especially, like, the whole time they're doing, like, art, too, yeah. right? Like, they're trying Absolutely, to figure out how it's yeah. going to look. In the book I was reading, yeah, it also says at one point Boo is supposed to be the first African-American Pixar character. Oh, yeah? But that clearly didn't come to fruition. No. Mike, this isn't Boo's door. Boo? What's Boo? That's what I decided to call her. Is there a problem? Sorry, you're not supposed to name it. Once you name it, you start getting attached to it. Now put that thing back where it came from, or so help me... Oh, hi! We're rehearsing uh, a scene for the upcoming company play called uh, Put That Thing Back Where It Came From or So Help Me. <laughs> it's a musical. <laughs> yeah, put that thing back where it came from or so help me. So help me, so help me, and cut. <laughs> We're still working on it. It's a work in progress, but hey, we need ushers. I don't know if you read this, but um, uh, Bill Murray was supposed to be Sully. I think I read that, yeah. That, that would have been interesting. I think... It would have been odd. John Goodman was the right choice. John Goodman, I think, does a good job, like, better than I think Bill Murray would have done. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Bill Murray would have been bad, though. No, it would have been interesting. He yeah. even done, he done, did, like, a test for it, and, like, apparently... He oh, was, really? Yeah, he was, according to Pete Doctor, he was supposedly interested, and then when it came time, like, uh, to officially cast him, Pete Doctor couldn't find him. Oh, so they were gonna cast him? Yeah. Oh, shit. And apparently, like, they were ready to go, and he was interested, and then they just couldn't find him, because that's that's how Bill Murray works. And Bill Murray also turned down uh, Buzz Lightyear. Jeez. Yeah. And you know who else turned down Buzz Lightyear? Was it Billy Crystal? Yes, it was. Billy Crystal. Yeah, because I, I know Billy Crystal was, like, disappointed to not have worked on it, uh, Toy Story, that is, and he was like, I'm not going to fuck up again, so I'm going to be in this Monsters, Inc. movie. Yeah, and he, thought it was, he was he was thought it was a mistake to not be he, in Toy Story, <laughs> and he was right because oh man, yeah, he's so good. Billy Crystal as 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 um as Mike Wazowski, it's just perhaps the role he was born to play. Pretty much. Um, you got Steve Steve Buscemi. Bus, yep. Like, I get nervous every time I'm about to pronounce his name. Yeah. Steve Buscemi <laughs> as Randall. <laughs> and he also nailed it. He's really good in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, they also, the way Randall's animated kind of looks like Steve Buscemi, if you, I don't know if you agree with me, but. Mm, yeah, I can see it. Maybe that's just because, maybe that's just because he looks a bit lizard-like as it is already. Uh, you know who voiced um, Boo? Uh, it was somebody's daughter or niece or something. Yeah, it was, um, it was uh, the daughter of the story art, one of the story artists. Her name was Mary Gibbs. Oh, okay. The Story artist Ron Gibbs, I believe, was her dad. Okay. Oh yeah, and she her 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 uncle Richard Gibbs um, worked on the soundtrack for uh, the new Battlestar Galactica. Too bad we don't do Six Degrees of Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, we could start doing it if you want. If you want to, we could. No, I think Star Trek's enough. <laughs> Imagine if we did that. If we added that, it'd be brutal. 
I mean, it would also be way harder because there's way less Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, the Mary Gibbs, she like, because she was what two, two and a half, I think, when they when when they filmed when the when they yeah. recorded her. Yeah, by the time the movie actually came out, she must have been like much older, obviously. <laughs> well, not that much older. They probably were doing the recording in two thousand. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, ish, like in that time period i believe um but yeah she had so much trouble like sitting still she couldn't sit still in like recording sessions so they just like followed her around with a microphone oh geez yeah you i know you've done some some recording work i i, I can imagine that would stress you out a little bit that, yeah that would be infuriating <laughs> i mean we both obviously we both know a little bit about recording because we're doing this podcast yeah but yeah that just yeah infuriating but i mean at the same time it'd probably be a bit fun it's you know you're recording a, a children's movie you got a child running around yeah you, that's true i don't know maybe our maybe our cold hearts could would warm up to something like that maybe but i doubt it <laughs> <laughs> um just a little side side plot i thought this was interesting um at this point in productions it's november oh, yeah. in the year 2000 um, Pixar, Pixar was employing about 500 people. Um, Steve Jobs decided they wanted, he wanted to relocate because they just growing, you know, pretty quickly. Right. Um, so there was like a lot of discussion about the type of, uh, design and layout the new office was going to have. Um, right. I'm sure Steve Jobs was like deeply involved in this aspect. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure he was. <laughs> yeah, no, um, like I'm, I'm not even joking. Like I'm no, sure of course. he was like... I'm sure this is, like, what he was primarily concerned with. Yeah, that's probably, like, honestly, yeah. Like, the feng shui is probably <laughs> the most important thing. Yeah. Uh, um, like, in, in a conventional, like, uh, layout for, for like, uh, studios like that, the departments, are, are, they're housed in, like, different buildings because they're usually so big at, like, at that size, right? Um, yeah, At definitely. very least, separate wings. Um, but uh, according to the book I was reading, apparently John Lasseter had, had a lot to do with the design oh yeah um and he was convinced by uh, his old uh, some old disney employee and one of his mentor apparently i forget his name um but some old disney employee um that the opposite would be true like because that this disney employee was like oh, i hated it when when the disney offices relocated to separate buildings because you know you lose all the spontaneity of like you know running into people in the hallways right um, i mean i could definitely identify that with that now that i've had to work from home from various <laughs> global events that have happened. <laughs> um, anyway. It could be any year. You don't know. Yeah. Um, We're recording this in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, when they relocated, I mean, uh, sorry, eventually when they, when they do, did re relocate, um, they did obviously settle on a, a much more um, eccentric design. I don't know if you've seen their uh, pictures of their office. I have but... actually. They do a tour of it on the special features for the DVD. Oh, really? Yeah. I wish I had those special features. Now. Yeah, don't. You... <laughs> this is the special edition, two discs. I don't know. Coincidentally, actually, they just one last little side bit because this isn't yeah, really a important important detail. But the new offices uh, were designed by the same firm which designed Bill Gates' uh, mansion in Seattle. Huh. Interesting. I wonder if he if he referred Steve Jobs to them. Maybe. Yeah, because yeah, they they probably talked a fair amount, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I think they did. That's <laughs> <laughs> that that time period as well. Yeah, I don't know. That's a whole other. We're getting yeah, into a whole other. We won't get too much into that. Um, and the the 
the Pixar employees smashed a computer um, with a sledgehammer. Oh, shit. Was it an expensive SGI computer? I hope not. I don't know. It might have been. They, pull, <laughs> they pulled an office space at very right, least. Right, okay. Because that was uh, a photocopier, I think, in office space. Yeah. yeah, it was a photocopier. But they're a lot richer than those guys were, so. Yeah, I guess they had money from, they had that Toy Story money. Yeah, that sweet, sweet Toy Story yeah. money. And and uh, Bugs Life money. And Bugs Life point. money, yeah. And maybe even Toy Story 2 money. Probably some of that, yeah. So now that we've talked uh, about some of the stuff that's like surface level, um, I think I think you might agree with me, but I think some of the real magic and the real innovation uh, that made this movie possible and made it what it was uh, was going on um, more behind the scenes and revolved uh, very much around the staggering advances that they were making with technology and animation. Yeah, uh, I mean, I would agree. I mean, they were like obviously the world leader in computer generated animation. Uh what was Toy Story the first full length uh CGI film? Pretty sure. Yeah. Pretty sure it was, yeah. So obviously groundbreaking. So I guess we're going to get into that uh, and uh, you you guys better have brought your friggin' abacus cuz <laughs> let's let's uh let's, let's talk about science and math. <laughs> Well, not not so much math. Get your paper. Get your graphing calculator. Yeah, get your graphing calculator out because we're going to talk about graphics. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know you're itching to take us down a little bit of a rabbit hole. Do you know anything about computer animation? Um, I, I know a little bit. You know, uh, if if you wanted to, if you wanted to do a six degrees of, of Jake Del Mastro. <laughs> I guess you could put this movie at a two. Okay, why is that? Why would you put this at a two? Why is that? <laughs> so uh, I'm a software engineer. Um, I work in... As the... you may or may not have guessed. Yeah, I, I, I work in the computer graphics industry. Um, I work on a product called um, Alias, uh, which is uh-huh. owned by Autodesk. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a 3D soft, a 3D modeling package, essentially. Interestingly, Alias was actually used by Pixar. Uh, really? Yeah, so they used it through Toy Story 1 all the way up to Monsters, Inc. Uh, and Pixar is a was developed right here in Toronto. Sorry, no, sorry, Alias was developed in Toronto, not Pixar. Uh, that's, I think, what I've, uh, I assumed you meant. Can, can you tell us what Alias is? Yeah, so it's a 3D modeling package um and it was used a lot in the sort of late 80s and early 90s for films uh so it was used in uh such such films as terminator 2 uh with the the big uh, metal guy uh <laughs> the abyss and, oh, yes. and many more and obviously as i mentioned before all the pixar movies up until around the turn of the uh turn of the century i guess uh when it was replaced essentially by software called Maya, which was also developed by Alias, and they develop it down the hall from where I work. <laughs> um, That's so weird. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, That's so cool. So basically, when you look at this movie and you compare it to Toy Story, which was made six years earlier, yeah. Yeah. Um, like you can, you can really see like how 
big of a gap it is because like i mean obviously i still like to watch toy story and something and stuff but like you can see it does show its age like you can see like a lot of like low resolution textures and stuff like that and the uh the lighting model is not particularly sophisticated. No, not not particularly complex. I think the the first thing that jumps out to you, and I know we're gonna get more into this, but I just I like yeah. as we're, when we're talking about graphics and we're talking about the difference between the films. I think the first thing that is just like so immediately obvious is like Sully's hair, Sully's fur. Yeah, is like is it's intense and it looks really good still and it still holds up how good his his fur looks. It really really does, uh, and. That yeah, that was one of the things like that amazed me when watching this movie is like it looks like fur hair does in movies nowadays. Like it really doesn't look that different than like I don't yeah. know. Uh what's a what what's a computer animated movie nowadays? <laughs> oh jeez. Um I, I feel like I haven't watched one in a while. Uh Frozen Two. Frozen Two, yeah. It looks Frozen like two. that. The hair is just as good, in my opinion. As that. <sighs> I what? mean, like it's clearly gotten you... better, but I, I, I agree. Yeah, it's better, but it's not that much better. I agree. No, like it doesn't look twenty years, yeah. like twenty years of animation difference. It really doesn't in in terms of exactly that. like yeah, like it it looks less than Toy Story to Monsters Inc. for sure. Yeah, and so one of the biggest reasons why Toy Story looks so much worse than Monsters Inc. is not only just because of the amount of time that it passed and the advances in computer graphics, but also Pixar had a lot more cash. Oh. oh, yeah. So um, when they rendered, uh, no, I should probably explain this. But so <laughs> you have to go through a process of uh, when you're making a like a film, when you're making a CGI An film, animated film, is you do yeah. all your animation and stuff ahead of time, and you move a bunch of like sort of uh, simplified versions of the models around, and then you do what's called rendering it to turn it into a bunch of frames of a movie. And that takes a lot of time. And a lot of computing power. And a lot of computers. And so um, in Toy Story, they used 200 computers. And what, do you, what kind of computers were they? Uh, they were uh, provided by a company called Sun Microsystems, which no longer exists, but made some really, really high-performance computers at the time, right? And and so these are how much more powerful would these computers be than like your standard pc that you would get at the same time around the same time uh, what this was 2000 yeah well it depends on what you're doing but for rendering like um i would say at least like for literally this task i would say at least 10 times faster wow yeah because i mean these were these were like specifically like uh i mean first of all they had written this software specifically to take advantage of all the like uh power of this system and it yeah it basically did a really good job of like splitting up the tasks so it could do it in parallel, right. which was not something which is something that's really common now in PCs, but it was not really so common at least in home computers at the time. Like I'm just trying to I'm just trying to like get the scope of the computing power even just for Toy Story, just like two two hundred computers running, and I don't know how long it took, but it might take them like like okay, so I think they were shooting for like three minutes of frame, right. Okay. So they could fit. They could render a frame in three minutes. The, they could do a two-hour movie in a year, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. that's like that's how slow we're talking. So like, yep. Uh, I mean, it still takes a long time to render 3D animation. It takes. It like, still it does. Takes... Yeah. Like I'm sitting here next to a fucking you know, a 24 core like fucking computer, and it 
it still takes three minutes to render a frame. It's not improved. <laughs> like, um, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. And so, I mean, obviously things are more detailed now, but it still takes three minutes to render a frame. Nobody's really changed that. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. basically... They can't close that gap. When they were doing Monsters, Inc., they used 3,500 computers, which were six years newer. <laughs> oh, my Also by Sunmark Systems, so these were like... Pretty powerful computers for the time. There's six generations or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, and they were still doing that, like, probably sticking to, like, the three-minute-a-frame mark kind of thing, right? Yeah. So... That's, like, what, 700% more computing power? More than that. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Uh, and so, you know, that explains, I think, a lot of why the movie looks better. So they could they could apply, like, a lot more detailed things yeah and so um one of the biggest things they did was the hair yeah and so the hair was actually kind of a part of a bigger thing that they were trying to do because hair is something that's hair is something that's going to appear in in all of their movies right like they're that's yeah, definitely exactly. something that they're, they're they've had on their mind since before before toy story right they've probably been trying yeah. to figure out how to make that look good i mean you could definitely see in Toy Story. I think they designed a lot of the things to, like, avoid having to do that. Yeah. Because, I mean, one right. of the things, if you look at Toy Story, like, what is the main thing you see in Toy Story? Toys. Toys. Yeah. Right? What are toys made of? They're made plastic. of plastic. Right? Yeah. And they're kind of shiny, but they're not reflective, right? They look kind of like th- like 3D models. <laughs> like Exactly. So, I think that's one of the reasons why they picked the the idea behind Toy Story. I didn't actually look into this that much, but I think that's probably what they were going for. It would make sense. It's like, let's not actually show human beings. Yeah, exactly. Or let's show them as little as possible. And, I mean, the human beings that they do show are traumatizing. They're not <laughs> like... great. They're not great. Specifically in the eye... I ooh. like Sid. Sid. Sid's the kid's name, right? Yeah, I believe it's Sid. Yeah. The yeah, he he looked really fucked up, <laughs> like and especially because he was a scary character, it was like even exactly. more traumatizing. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, so it it really got into the uncanny valley kind of area with <laughs> with the people, and that's why they tried to not show it. I think. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and I mean, even in Monsters Inc., they didn't show like many humans except Boo really no so like uh like i was saying one of the things that they were trying to do was reduce the amount of time it took an animator to 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 animate things basically and so okay uh you know one of the things that like animation computer animation is a very very labor intensive process like even if you don't know anything about it you can imagine it yeah so you're literally like manipulating you're rotating uh, armatures and things like that to try to get like uh you're trying to mimic the movie and yeah not only is it like a tedious process it's like like just to to do it horribly is hard (laughs) yeah like to do a bad job and it's the other thing is like you have it's one of those things where, like, you know, you're really tempted to tweak it once you have it. Right. So it's like you have all these numbers in front of you, and you can tweak them. So you're just going to keep tweaking them until it's perfect. Right. And it's <laughs> yeah, never going to so be perfect. Like, and that's going to take a long time. So yeah. one of the things they wanted to do was sort of offload a lot of that to simulation. Mm-hmm. So, so if, for example, you can imagine if they had hair on it right yeah 
and you had to literally animate every strand of hair. Like, yeah, if, if, if the animator was in charge of which direction every hair went in. Exactly. That would take a while. That would, it's not even, that would probably it's be undoable. It's, it's like, unthinkable. It's, yeah, I would it's never not an do option. that. Yeah. So one of the things they came up with was sort of, the, they just simulated the hair as physics, basically. Mm-hmm. So they basically, they had like a, a model of a hair being like kind of like a, a spring kind of thing with different stiffnesses okay. and they would basically sort of paint patches of hair onto the uh, they would basically specify where the hair would be on the model and then during the rendering process it would simulate where all the hair moves when the character moves so the animator wouldn't actually have to do that right but then they would also wouldn't they they'd also have to like write in processes because sometimes they the animator animator would want to like move hair to somewhere that the physics wouldn't allow for like you know dramatic yeah, effect or whatever. Exactly. So actually, with Sully, for example, the hair on his yeah. face actually wasn't simulated, so it was just stuck in one spot. That's good. Now imagine how creepy that would be if his hair was like yeah. I think they the tried wind. it and they found it was distracting. <laughs> right, because it's like because his hair would be moving all over the place. Because I mean, obviously, yeah, like. There's a limit to how accurate this simulation can be. So it's like if you do, like, it tends to get kind of unstable if it gets to, uh, right. If it's running on everything, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, and I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of people have seen, like, um, when you, back in the day when you would watch, like, a DVD special features, as you have of Monsters Inc., of, like, animated movies, they'd somehow sometimes have those, like, and I use this in quotes, those, like, blooper scenes where mm. they'd show, like, uh, they'd show, like, the, like, I remember one specifically of, like, Shrek, where his, like, head just, like, you know, elongated. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah. sprung back. You know, just weird shit like Yeah, that. I mean, it's, like, you know, a, a loading glitch in a video game or whatever where, like, somebody ends up, like... Yeah, exactly, know. yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, tons of that kind of shit happened, and, like, obviously they had to... They had to tweak their fur process as they were going along. So that's one of the things that I think makes Pixar really unique was that like not only were they making these movies, animating these movies, but they were also writing the software and the tools that made these movies happen, right? Yeah. And not only were they writing them, they were selling them to other people. <laughs> like other people were making movies with RenderMan. Like I mean, there's not that many other companies that do all that. Exactly. And I mean, again, like I don't really know, but I can't think of any other companies that operate like that. Yeah. And I mean, they had some like super specific like tools. Like they had this one tool called Pipematic. <laughs> Pipe Pipematic was a tool that you can really only imagine exists because of Monster League. There's a lot of pipes in that. It movie. was a tool that allowed them to like draw pipes in the factory. A lot of pipes in that factory. And yeah, they had a lot of pipes in the factory, and they needed a tool to, like, route all the pipes, because routing all the pipes would have taken a long time. So they had a pipe-making tool. That's cool. So, but one of the interesting things is that I actually read a, an article uh, with uh, Ed Catmull. He, he, he was talking about the... Who is Ed uh, Catmull again? Sorry, just refresh my memory. Ed Catmull was uh, basically the one of the co-founders of Pixar. Right. He uh, he was basically the guy behind RenderMan. Right. And so he was talking about, like... Uh, they actually wouldn't give the latest features in RenderMan to the internal Pixar thing, which is weird. Because you would think that the the, the Pixar movies would use the latest features in Pixar that, that were in RenderMan, right? Yeah, you'd think. 
but ap- apparently like they could never get them to use it because anytime they came up with a new feature they wouldn't want to use it because they'd be like oh no, there's gonna be too many bugs and we're already in this movie right <laughs> and yeah. so like they would just stick with what they had because it would work right yeah and yeah. so th- apparently they would always find somebody else who came along and somebody would always be starting a movie at some right. point so they would find somebody to test their software right to test out their new features that's smart yeah um so yeah by the time the actual internal pixar movie was using it it would already be known to work basically that's a really really good way to do it like just use let other people be your guinea pigs let other people work out your bugs for you yeah but an interesting thing he mentioned that they didn't do that for and he thinks it got them into trouble what um he didn't actually get into detail that much about why but was uh, a feature that was used in this movie in this movie in this movie it was called deep shadow maps okay so um as i was mentioning with the hair uh-huh. there there's kind of a problem when you're lighting hair because you know hair casts shadows on itself and and it's always moving and the shadows are always intertwining and inter commingling. Yeah, so it's it's really weird and it's kind of hard to light correctly. And one of the ways to do it is using what's called a ray tracer, uh, which is what most uh, modern rendering software uses nowadays, which is actually okay. not what Pixar was using. Uh, a ray tr- okay. Uh, so a ray using... tracer is a way of rendering things that makes a lot of sense because it kind of it works the way your eye works. Okay. Essentially, what we do is the the uh, the algorithm takes a beam coming out from the eye point or the camera point for every pixel mm-hmm. on the screen, and it traces that into the scene. Right. When that ray hits a object or something okay it bounces off and it checks like oh where does that ray go does it go to the light or does it go somewhere else right right and as a result every pixel is kind of properly like lit because it mimics the way that light actually bounces through a scene right so the problem with ray tracing is that it's really fucking slow How, how like how slow are we talking um so i mean I come from kind of doing things in like real time. Uh, like I, I haven't done a lot of offline rendering stuff, which is, you know, what you would do in movies, but in sort of the real time, uh, arena, we are sort of just, just now kind of talking about doing ray tracing in real time. Okay. And, and this is a, this is a technique that's been around since like the 1970s. It's somewhat complicated, but the basic idea is just, you're tracing the path of a light ray. Of a of right, of a beam of light. That's really slow because every time it bounces you gotta create a new beam and you gotta check Yeah. You know, all the spaces and figure out what it hits and that's that's really complicated to do. That just seems like that's I, that's the only way I can imagine to do it. That's just how light works. That's just like recreate how Well, you would light think works. but that is the way that light works, but you know, you know, everybody's always looking for shortcuts and we found one. <laughs> I, I shouldn't say we, like, I, I didn't do it. 
uh, th- this was done before I was born. Like, they figured this out in the 1970s. So, basically, there's a technique called shadow maps. And so what it does is in order to do shadows... Yeah. And... Okay, so the thing is... Ray tracing to shadows and lights in the same pass, and you would normally think that that's the way to do things because, because like, you know, light casts light works, yeah. right? But no, no, that's that's not how we do things because that's too slow. It's too slow, yeah, right. Okay, and we're talking about three minutes of frame. You want to do a movie in a year, you're not going to get it done. No, no, um, not enough time. So, length movie, I mean, you're going to no. get it done nowadays because most movies are ray traced now, and actually, there is now ray tracing in right now. Yeah, this is but, this this is 20 years ago. Yeah, um, but anyway, so. What you do is you render, you put basically a camera where the um, where the light is. Okay. And you point it at the scene. Okay. And then you kind of take a picture of it in grayscale, and you measure how far each pixel is away from the camera. So it's like a depth camera kind of thing, right? Okay, you measure how far each pixel is from the camera, okay. Yeah, and so then when you're actually drawing the thing from the normal camera, Mm -hmm. not the light camera, you project that previous image you did onto the scene, and you check on each pixel, is the depth value in this in front of or behind the pixel that I'm looking at in the scene? And if it is... Then it's shadow. in shadow, and if shadow. it's not, then it's lit. That sounds like it would be more complicated. It's it it sounds like it because you're actually doing two passes, but because there's no bounces, it's actually you're doing faster. Two separate processes. How could that be? How could that be? <laughs> how could that be faster? Uh, it's because it. it it's because it allows you to use rasterization instead of ray tracing, and rasterization is much faster because you essentially just draw. It, like it's like, it's it, it, rasterization is like drawing things with a pencil, right? It's well, it's it's like a flat more well to put it extremely simply, it wouldn't be more considering it like a flat image with like pixels as opposed to like a three D image that you have to follow a kind of uh, yeah. So you essentially project three D polygons into two D space and then you draw them like you would with a pencil. Right. Right. You trace it. Well, yeah, <laughs> you, you, but it's not just... tracing. It's not ray tracing. Just... It's rasterization. But um, <laughs> we're almost at we're almost at uh, this is good. deep shadow maps. <laughs> 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 we're almost at deep shadow maps. Oh, we're almost there. Okay. Okay. So okay. So shadow maps. Um, so but anyway, so you you end up only having to do two samples per pixel, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of having to yeah. do potentially many because the light could bounce all over the place, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so. It's faster, but one of the problems is that it doesn't work very well if you have something either somewhat transparent or really, really small because you're limited by the resolution of the shadow maps and things like that, right? Right, yeah. So what Pixar decided to do when they came up with deep shadow maps (laughs) is um, instead of storing just a one pixel value that says how far away from the virtual light camera it is. They store what they're uh-huh. called, what they call a visibility function. Okay. And what is that? Uh, a visibility function is essentially a series of points that define a curve that tells you 
at what at at x depth would this thing be visible or not essentially from the the point of view of the camera right right yeah or or how much would that be visible what is the the amount of light that penetrates to that level right yeah yeah okay i understand okay so yeah so it it measures the amount of light that transmits down to that level kind of right and so as a result you can have sort of partial transmission through something like a strand of hair or a piece of glass or something oh my god now this is still faster than ray tracing it seems like this would be even more complicated it's more complicated mentally but computationally it's simpler right like i i actually i was doing um just sort of for my own hobby projects i was doing some uh shadow mapping stuff and i was using an algorithm called exponential shadow maps which is vastly less complicated than this and that's it's something that's still very difficult to kind of get right there's a lot of things that can kind of you got to tweak to be kind of perfect right but it's so much faster than ray tracing <laughs> <laughs> so yeah basically deep shadow mapping is ways that you can have shadows that are like not 100 percent. like so you can have like semi-transparent kind of shadows you can have depth of shadow like a, a, a like yeah a, you can have like different like, levels of things like you could have two things that are in different that are shaded differently but are covered by the same light ray kind of right yeah, right. So right. that hopefully makes sense. No, I, I definitely, I definitely understand what that is better now that you've explained it than when when I was reading through it earlier. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Yeah, it it actually took me a while to like read their paper and figure out what they were doing. Actually, uh, I should plug this. If you're interested in any of the sort of uh, technique behind this. Pixar actually has a lot of their papers uh, published on their website. So graphics.pixar.com. Super cool. You can go to and you can check out a lot of their interesting effects. They explain how they do it in very much more technical language than I did. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Harder to understand. (laughs) Yeah. Much, much more difficult to understand. I had some trouble with it too. Um, but yeah so to kind of explain what was the point of all this like why is deep shadow matching necessary like yeah look at toy story and look at some of the hair in that yeah exactly well in the book that i was reading the the david price book that's the comparison he he used was like look at look at sully's hair and then go back to the opening scene of toy story and look at uh, Andy's little sister's hair and like it doesn't look like hair like it looks like, it's like a hunk of I don't yeah, know that's all you need to do to see the difference yeah it, yeah it's 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 one you solid can, you, thing yeah so it, they actually didn't use shadows at all on that because obviously had you used regular shadow maps on that it actually yeah, would have looked totally because I disgusting like I don't know how to explain <laughs> this you kind of just need to see it but like Regular shadow mapping on this is going to look bad. Not good. Yeah. Um, Not good. Speaking of like 
like because we're talking about like hair for example it's all about like um rendering all these tiny little individual things right um so that kind of got me thinking like like the the door vault yeah um the door scene because it's because that's kind of similar right like in that in that last scene they've got like yeah well it's a similar yeah it's it's essentially they had just a lot of doors that they needed to 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 render and that is really slow to do basically just the more things you got to render the more time it's gonna take right and because there's so many things moving in opposite directions and doing things in like yeah. the background, like that. First of all, that scene, like regardless, must have taken so long to render. And but anime. like second of all, an anime, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I, that makes me curious about like when you're talking about like the hair physics. Like were there like <laughs> like door physics? Like in terms of like um, how those? Um... I don't think so. I think they were made. Like I mean, I, there was I think some maybe like the hanging. Like um, maybe they were like the way they like dangled. Yeah, so maybe they were just modeled as like physical rigid bodies like dangling on a, a string or something like that right but, um yeah. but they did take a big shortcut when they did that oh really and so one of the things is like so imagine a door right i'm imagining okay what's a door it's like a rectangle right it's like a rectangle yeah big rectangle knob you walk through it sometimes it's got a threshold how many sides does a door have um well it's technically a cube so six well, yeah it's a rectangular prison yeah rectangular prison yeah it's got, it's got six okay six sides so what if a door is really far not including away? not including knob if curvature a, if a door is really far away would you notice the difference between a door and a picture of a door on a piece of paper they didn't <laughs> they didn't they didn't screw me out of all those doors like that did they <laughs> so if if i were to draw if i were to draw a door on a piece of paper and i put it a mile away and i also and put then, a like, door dangled it back and forth yeah and dangled it back and forth it's the same size but it's got some depth to it would you really notice the difference yes <laughs> well i don't think yes you did i would in this movie because i'm a i'm offended that you would even ask me if i noticed the difference of course i would essentially most of the doors in that scene like they simplified it by essentially just being flat planes right Ugh. because the only doors you notice are the doors right next to the camera right everything yeah. else is just a piece of no, paper that's... essentially that's actually really fucking smart and yeah that's a pretty common technique in computer graphics often called billboarding billboarding that makes sense so i guess it's not that smart it just sounds smart to someone who has never thought about having to animate a full fucking giant room of doors somebody had to come up with it so it was smart yeah (laughs) um yeah so not only i think i explained a little bit about the hair before and simulation so but they also did some work with cloth yeah i was gonna mention i forgot to mention boo's shirt yes flopping around so that is essentially a similar simulation to what the hair is doing, but it's obviously a little bit different because with it's fabric. Different. And apparently they had a tailor come in too <laughs> to like uh like they would show him the the animation they're doing and they'd be like no no this kind of fabric it would hang a little bit more like this or whatever, right? Right. And so they <laughs> they tweaked it with the help of 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 a San Francisco Bay Area tailor. Was he credited? Was he credited in the movie or she were the credit in the movie? I don't know. I didn't actually check. So yeah, is that? Do you think that's why they put her in that like monster suit for so much of the movie? 
so they didn't have to animate what, cause the hair so they didn't have to an- ha- uh, simulate the hair i don't know the shirt sorry the shirt because boo did have hair but boo's hair was not simulated oh really yeah because you know it, it actually kind of just sits where it is well i guess so because she had like a ponytail they just moved exactly. the ponytail back it's and much forth simpler. <laughs> smart 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 so much of anime i'm learning that so much of animating movies is figuring out ways to not do work yeah yeah that's a <laughs> because because it's so much work because it would be an impossible amount of work if yeah. you had to just Shortcuts. do it it's all about just like how can i not do that <laughs> and i mean that's that's been the way since traditional animation as well that's not a new thing to cgi <laughs> like you ever watched freaking right. like transformers <laughs> from the 80s like it's full of oh, fucking yeah. animation fuck-ups. I mean, but 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 they're they're cutting corners for very different reasons. They're cutting corners because they have to make they have to make yeah, that's sixty true. episodes yeah. of an afternoon of thirty thousand different shows. Yeah, and they're, like, being uh, that's whipped definitely while they do it. Like you know, I I wouldn't say that like you know, like I don't know what Fantasia was like to make, but I'm sure they had a little bit more pride in their work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, I, I would hope so. <laughs> Similar, like, you know, yeah. like uh, Rocket Robin Hood. Some of the animation of that is like, exactly. they like skip it's like, like nine frames cheap, at a time. Yeah. It's just like, ah, whatever, fuck it. Yeah. It's like, ah, whatever. So um, <laughs> another scene that was particularly complicated from a uh, a simulation perspective was the scene where he's, uh, where suddenly goes down the mountain on his sled and he falls off, and he falls into the snow. Mm, right, snow. Snow and water. I know snow and or water, yeah. at least. I don't know necessarily about snow, but I can guess I can infer. But I know that water has always well, been... Well, water's really hard to simulate, so, like, flowing water is really kind of hard to do. Yeah. But water just sitting in a pool, it's pretty easy to do. <laughs> but but water, right. like, flowing and streaming into things, that's hard to do. And, like, splashing and stuff in, like, a... In like a, a a natural way. Yeah, I actually I, I saw this thing on Twitter recently of somebody animating a uh, somebody pouring a glass of beer, and I didn't realize it was actually fake until like the foam started coming out. But like you know, I, I was pretty impressed by that. But oh, like really? even now, we're still having trouble doing stuff like that. But yeah, so like I was saying, uh, the snow thing was kind of cool because you have hair and you have snow interacting. And you have him lying face down in the snow, so you have the hair essentially compressed, right? Yeah. Against this plane that he's intersecting with, and, like, that's... So what's happening with the hair? Is the hair going to, like, bounce back when he comes out? Like, or, like, what's going to happen? And like, Yeah, there's... what's it... And is it going to be affected by the by the snow? Like... Is it gonna... There's snow weighting down the hair on some of them, right? Or where did that the snow is falling on the hair and sticking on the hair? And I was thinking when when yeah. when uh, Mike throws the snowballs at him and the snowballs are getting like like the particles are in his fur. It's like oh man. Yeah, exactly. So they actually did come up with this simulation to figure out like where would the snow land and where would it stick oh, to. Those like, lazy. Well, I mean, you're gonna draw that like, <laughs> and you're gonna make it consistent and like fucking yeah. So they they came up with a some kind of system to figure that out um so uh, that's most of the technical stuff i think uh, i'm gonna talk a little bit about some of the in jokes some of the in jokes like in the animation yeah some of the the animators made a couple uh 
I placed a couple things into the film. There were a couple things I saw when I was watching it, but what what I don't know about animation Easter eggs. The first thing is uh, that I can think of is you know the the most common uh, animators in joke, which is the teapot. <laughs> Oh yes, I've heard you. I've heard you talking about the teapot for fucking years. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I, not just animators, but like people involved in mostly people involved in computer graphics. Yeah. Actually, not necessarily animators, but um, so the teapot is a thing that has appeared in several Pixar movies, starting in Toy Story. Uh, you probably remember the tea scene. Indeed, yeah. I think it may so have been in almost in every Pixar movie, hasn't it? I believe it's probably in every Pixar movie, and if nobody's found it, it's probably <laughs> in there somewhere. They snuck it in. <laughs> so uh, the teapot is specifically the Utah teapot. Uh, this is a a test model that was created at the University of Utah Computer Graphics Lab. And um, it was based on this Melita branded teapot that one of the researchers, Martin. So Newell, it's just a teapot. Uh, it's not a spe- nothing special. Yeah, he just wanted to test some kind of algorithm. I guess he was working on for splines. I don't know. Um, I don't know what that means. He, he yeah. So he made this teapot, and then he uh and then he used it and then he shared it with other people and they used it as test models for testing their various algorithms and things like that and as i understand people have been using it as a test model ever since ever since pretty much and and an interesting thing is that the teapot if you actually look at the real teapot that it was based on yeah the real teapot is taller than the the uh teapot model because it's not even a good model no at some point they compressed it because i think they were testing some animation system and they uh somehow they saved the file over as compressed (laughs) like as vertically compressed and so that's the version that is like an overwritten version yeah and that's the version that's ended up in everybody's like test software right that's hilarious so presumably the the uh people at the good people at Pixar were very familiar with the teapot and, and they were probably using the teapot as a stand-in prop for a lot of things. Yeah, well, the teapot's and such a great test because it's got so many different, like, angles and it, like, yeah, shapes. Yeah, it does. It's, and exactly. it's got a lot. Yeah. That's why it's so good. Yeah. It's got round bits. It's got sharp angles. It's got all sorts of things. Yeah. Skinny um, bits, wide bits. Exactly. Fragile bits. Yeah, and so so they, I guess they just figured, you know, well, we got to put the teapot in the movie. So in Boo's room, you can see there's a teapot on one of the tables. The teapot, the Utah teapot. Did not see that. And I was looking for it. Yeah. Another thing that appears in Boo's room is uh, a, I don't know, what would you say? Like, not a stuffed thing, but like a toy of, like, Jesse from Toy Story 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a... Also, a pillow or something that is shaped like Nemo from Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. <laughs> yeah. And not actually come out yet. And not come out yeah, yet. And yeah, and they had it in there. Speaking of water animation. Yeah, water animation. Jeez. I guess that was all underwater, though, so that was probably easier. Easier, yeah. Because you, you don't actually have to. You just assume it's like the air, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a... Treat it like air. I don't know that much Maybe we'll it. do that movie. Uh, maybe. Um, so, yeah. Um, that's 
the things that like jumped out to me did you find some other ones uh, no no nothing about like animation but uh, we could just do the rest of the end jokes i mean for example the sushi restaurant is named harryhausen yeah uh which is named after ray harryhausen who well what would you call him a an animator i guess of props like he's like he made creatures he made creatures for a lot of monster movies yeah so he's known for doing a lot of like monsters and things like that and that's why they uh he's a monster yeah, guy. um he worked with the uh the famous uh um what's his name willis o'brien who did the like, king kong oh from yeah the original king kong yeah so he he was yeah. sort of mentored by him uh and he yeah that he also made a bunch of great monster makeups and i I wouldn't be surprised if there's a Will, willis o'brien reference in this movie as well yeah they, they do they do like the references like the um the uh early on in the movie when they're walking to work the cafe they walk past is called the hidden oh, city okay. cafe um hidden the hidden city was the the original working title for the project mm. before it was monsters inc um uh there that that the one of the the ball in in Boo's room is the same ball from Toy Story you know that sort of thing yeah 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 a lot of a lot of in jokes like that so yeah um yeah that is it for our podcast this week but we are not done yet with this film not by far uh we will be coming back at you next week with more great cutting insights into this excellent movie <laughs> and um part two part two yeah as you as you may or may not have read on our social media we are now uh moving to a one episode a week format and many yep, of yep. our movies will take up two episodes yes so you have that this to is this to. is so you can have shorter episodes more frequently that's the plan here so absolutely yeah yeah, we've been definitely hearing from some of our listeners that our episodes can get a little long, and uh, yeah, we understand. We, would, uh, we know that. We, we know we that understand. they're very we're long. listening to you, <laughs> and hopefully, you're listening to us too. Yes, yes. Hit well, that uh, subscribe. Of course, yeah. Always, as always, subscribe. Smash on, that subscribe button on any platform that you can. Absolutely. If I were a rich man. With a million or two I'd live in a penthouse In a room with a view And if I were handsome No way It could happen Cause dreams do come true I wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have you Wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have I have envy You green with it Your grace and your charm Everyone loves you